But I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore, Gulf Coast Online, Orleans Justice Center, and here at Little Creek to week three of our series entitled Soul Detox. Come on, can we just welcome all the campuses joining us right now? So exciting. I mentioned week one, a friend of mine who's been a mentor of mine, Craig Grishel, wrote a book, a great pastor uh, in Oklahoma City. Uh, Life Church is the church. He wrote a book called Soul Detox, uh, where I was inspired. Great, great book. Uh, I encourage you to get anything that Pastor Craig uh, writes. He's really uh, just got his, just really his finger on the pulse of where people are uh, in America, around the world, and really uh, how to walk with God. Uh, just very, very powerful pastor and author. Anyway, week one, I started with this whole concept of what is a soul detox. I talked about the driven soul. And I talked about how everything around us in culture that wants to, uh, uh, seeks to sabotage our peace, to push us and to drive us. And, and there's a restlessness in people's lives. They can't sit still. They've got to be moving. They've got to be on the phone. They've got to engage with media. They, they've got to do something. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a toxicity. That's what I would call it in, in our soul. I talked about how we can be highly productive, highly effective, and yet we can do it from a position of rest. Our souls can be at rest with God. Last week, I talked about the heavy soul. I talked about how anxieties and fears about the future and how all those things can weigh us down and how, how that we need to learn to. And remember, I, I ordained everybody into the ministry. I said, every one of you need to become what? Preachers. You need to preach to your soul. We need to learn how to preach to our soul. We need to learn how to speak the word to our soul to, to drive off heaviness. Today, I want to talk to you about a topic. I want to talk to you about the tormented soul. It's different than heavy. I want to talk to you about what does it mean when your soul is, is tormented. Now, again, uh, the, the whole theme during this series has been this. We are a soul and we have a body. It's not the other way around. We're not a body that has a soul. How do I know that? My body's going to die but my soul is going to live forever. So the essence of who you are, it's not a body. You have a body, you can exercise, eat well, all that stuff we should do. But our bodies, the, for the moment that we're born, are dying. Because they're coming to a moment where we're going to transition from this life to the next. Our bodies, but watch this, our soul is going to live forever. How I mean, you know, that's why we need to take care of our, everybody say it, our soul. The inside, the true person. Who we are. So today, I want to talk to you about the tormented soul. You know, I, I had an older brother. I have an older brother. And uh, he is interesting. And I think one of the things that older brothers feel that their assignment is, is to torment the younger brothers. Any younger brothers in the house? Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? As a matter of fact, I was telling my brother, and he was pretty good, you know, but, but there was times when he would, you know, do things. And interestingly enough, he, he was convinced a number of years ago, I didn't do anything to you. I don't know, you make up this stuff in your mind. And I found a picture. And I waited to the holidays when he came over to my mom's house at Christmas time. And I found a picture from the early 1970s where I was, I don't know, two, three years old. And I actually, my mom took this picture. He had my arm in his hand and in his mouth like this. 
And I said, you were a tormentor. Just like that. He goes, man, give me that picture. I said, no, no, it's proof. I'm not talking today about physical torment. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when your soul is tormented. Why is it tormented? How do we get out of it being tormented? It's amazing how people in our world today, and even so much, so many of us at times, we don't recognize and take care of the soul. Now, now we are masters in image management. You realize that, right? By the way, that's what social media is all about. It's image management. How, listen, how you perceive yourself and how you want to project to other people for them to perceive you as well. So we work on the outside. By the way, I'm all into social graces. I think we need to have manners. Nothing wrong with that. Actually, it's wonderful. It's polite. But, 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 but we spend a, a large amount of inordinate time managing people's perception of us in the external sense. And we don't focus on the internal sense. That's why, by the way, Jesus himself said, what does it profit a man if he gains the what? The whole world but loses his own soul. Where's the emphasis? It's not that we don't emphasize the external at all, but not at the expense of the internal. And I said, one of the questions that we ask in our culture, we walk up to somebody, how are you doing? And the common response is, Phew, you know, pretty good, but, but things have been very busy. What are they saying? I'm productive. What are they saying? I'm successful. I said, let's switch the question. The question is not, how are you doing? The question is, how is your soul doing? pretty invasive. How you really do it on the inside. So we're in a series. We're talking about soul cleansing. I'm not talking about, let me qualify. I'm not talking about becoming a Christian. What does it mean to become a Christian when you trust Christ as your savior? You finally come to the end of yourself and you say that I need a savior. I need someone bigger than me, namely God and the person of Christ who died on the cross for me in his death, burial, and resurrection. I trust Christ as my savior. I put my faith in him. My name, the Bible says, is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I've gone from death to life. And the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of me. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You're a Christian. All right? I'm not talking about that in this series. I'm talking about, as a Christian, what happens when toxins attach themselves to you. Things around you that come in culture, media stuff, toxic relationships, and the stuff gets on you. And also, what about the toxic stuff that comes out of us, the attitudinal things, the conversation? How do I, quote, get it? How do I, how do I get rid of that stuff? In other words, I need a soul detox. Is it biblical? Well, it is. Paul the Apostle and... 2 Corinthians 7, here's what he says. To Christians, not to non-believers. To Christians. Beloved, let us, what is that word? Cleanse. You ever seen somebody that goes, and maybe you've done it before, you go through that body detox, and one of the things that you do is you walk around, and you've got, you've got that green juice from hell. Excuse me. It's like some vegetable, weird, pureed stuff. You know, what are you doing? I'm doing a, ju a juice cleanse. I'm, ju I'm cleansing. I'm cleansing. What do they do? They're doing a body cleanse is what they're doing, right? You ever done that before? A body cleanse? We'll pray for you. But anyway, so, 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 so in the same concept, that person, watch this, they're cleansing. What are they doing? They're getting out the impurities in their body. In the same way, Paul says to Christians, Christians, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Pastor, is it biblical for a Christian to have a soul detox? You bet it is. 
And yet there's a struggle. There's a struggle on the inside. There's a struggle for believers, and we often ask ourselves the question, listen to me closely. We often ask ourselves the question, why is it the very things that I want to do? Remember, when you're a Christian, there's still struggles at times. Why is it things that I want to do? I often don't do them, and vice versa. By the way, Apostle Paul said the same thing. He dealt with the same exact challenge. In Romans chapter 7, here's what he said. Paul the Apostle, we're in good company, by the way. Here's what he said. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do. How do you know if you're a Christian? Because your want to has changed. Your want to has changed. You may still be giving in to sin, but at least you want to. There's something in you. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I, I, I don't want to do it, but you're pulled. There's this proclivity, this propensity of our flesh. He says, I, I, I want to do something different, but, but, but the things I end up doing, I hate. You ever been there before? Man, I don't want to do that. Man, why did I go back into that thing again? That's what Paul said. Why? 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 Why is he? Well, there's a war. There's a war against our soul. What does it profit a woman if she gains the whole world? If she has all the friends in the world. She's got all the money. She's got all the popularity. She's got millions of followers on Twitter. She's got, she's got Facebook. I mean, what does it profit if you get all of that? But there's no peace in your own soul. Peter said a very profound thing when he talked about and located the war. 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I urge you, as strangers and exiles, I urge you, I urge you. I had a guy the other night I met, we had a banquet. It's called Next Generation Banquet. There was a guy named Vince. And I was a high school and he was urging me. He'd call me every week. He'd urge, he said, Steve, I'm urging. There's a war that's going on for your life. He'd call me every Saturday night. Every, for years, he'd call me and reach out to me. Every, and, I, and I just, in my heart, what was, he says, uh, he, here's what he, he, he says, abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your, everybody say it, against your what? Your soul. The very things that we're doing, we don't realize it's, it's, it's taking a piece out of our soul. Out of our soul. So, what torments our soul? I want to talk to you about two things that torment, torments our soul. And then, I, and then I want to talk about some of the things that we can do to preach to our soul. See, I, I believe it's God's will. I believe it's God's will for there to be peace within our soul. Just like the song we sang, that, that we can say, it is well with my soul. By the way, saying it's well with my soul doesn't mean that all my circumstances are well. Saying it's well with my soul doesn't mean that everybody likes me. Saying it's well with my soul is, it's well with your soul. Two things that torment our soul. Number one, we're tormented by the things we've done. We're tormented by the things that we've done. David said it this way, Psalms 38, 3 and 4, feeling the weight of sin. Here's what he said. There's no soundness in my bones. Listen to this. There's no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I've been there before. I'm overwhelmed. In other words, I don't have the strength to bear this. I, I've got this weightiness in my life I, 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 as a Christian. Now, let me explain something to everybody. Every single person on this planet, I want everybody to hear this at all of our campuses. This is so important. Every single person on this planet, whether they're a Christian or not, they have what's called a moral conscience. We're made in the image, likeness, and dominion of God. We're not animals. Animals are led by instinct and appetite. But there is a moral oughtness. That's why somebody that doesn't know Christ, they can still say they want to do the right thing. Are you with me? That's their conscience. A conscience is part of being made in the image of God. 
All right, there's a moral audit. But for the believer, there's not only a conscience, but the Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. And it's the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us that's quickening us. And I, I became a believer December 26, 1987. Now, I want to say this. I was not a great student in high school. And uh, I was a smart kid that didn't apply himself. Anybody ever heard that before? <laughs> if you'll just apply yourself, you know. And, uh, and, and, and so I developed some thinking about myself that I wasn't smart, and particularly in math. And the way that my strategy of dealing with that is I cheated. I just cheated. I said, I'm just going to cheat. I just, I'm, I, I just, I'm not smart enough. And it was a lie. And then I got saved. I was in college. I had probability and statistics. I'm like, who needs this stuff? The irony of it is I'm very good in math. Now I realize numbers and all that, but, but there was this lie that I had believed. And I never forget as a Christian, now I'm a Christian, I've got this new reality, the Holy Spirit. Remember, I had a conscience. I knew it was wrong even as a kid, unbeliever. But now I'm, I, the Holy Spirit's living in my heart. Now I'm convicted. So there's this torment in my life because I'm opening up my life to all this junk. And I'll never forget, I took this test after being a Christian beginning in November. And I was just so, I was just under so much just, just the weight of this. And I was like, oh. And I remember going to my pastor and said, I, I, this is horrible. See, by the way, that's a good thing if you still do that. Because it's when your conscience is, is hardened and you're not alive and you, and it, you don't even care. So it's, it's good to care. Are you with me? And I said, oh. I said, pastor, I'm just cheating. I got to get this off of me. Maybe it's not cheating in math. Maybe it's cheating on your taxes. Maybe it's cheating in a relationship. Maybe it's looking at things you know that you shouldn't be looking at, and yet, and we're tormented. We've all been there. We're tormented by, by things that we've done. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it was something that you were doing you thought you could handle, and now it has you. You were in control of it. Now it controls you. It controls your appetites. It controls your affections. It controls your, your pattern of living and your decision-making process. And you, didn't, you thought you were strong enough, but now it's got you. And there's this torment in our souls. Number two, the second thing that we're tormented by is we're tormented by the lies that we believe. By lies. Everybody say lies. What are lies? Lies are... are, are <laughs> Lies are satanic suggestions from hell. Do you know, let me tell you what we believe at Church of the King. You guys ready for this? All right, let me give you some Church of the King 101. We don't worship, we worship Jesus. We don't worship the devil, but we believe that there's a real devil. Is that all right? Biblically, there's a real devil. I know some people, oh, it's just kind of medic, you know, some fairy tale. Not according to the Bible. Not according to the reality of what has happened in my life. I know there's real evil. I know there's a real devil. And the strategy, let me tell you what the mission statement of the devil is. He's a liar. You know, Paul, when he talks about, he talks about spiritual, the great spiritual warfare chapter in Ephesians chapter 6. He talked about this. Hold up the shield. Watch this. Hold up the shield of faith. Watch this. Hold it up. Why? To quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are the fiery darts? I'll tell you what they are. They are the satanic suggestions from hell. That's what they are. And they're lies. The enemy lies to us and puts junk in our mind about ourselves, that we'll never amount to anything, that we can't be forgiven of our past. That's a lie. Or he lies to us about God. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. That's a lie. Or you can't trust people. Nobody's good. And that's a lie. 
Jesus said, John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, you belong to your, dev- the, to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. Listen to what he says specifically about the devil. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Whoa, for he's a liar and the father of lies. What is he, everybody? The devil is a what? Say it, a liar. He promises you pain, but delivers pain. He promises you pleasure, but delivers pain. That's what he does. He delivers pain. He lies. You know, there's this, the elephant. I learned this about how they trained elephants. And at circuses, they would have these big stakes. And they put a rope around the elephant's foot. And the elephant, really, when it's small, it didn't have the strength to be able to, to pull its foot out of this. But then over time, they take it away. But the elephant's been conditioned because of that restriction. The elephant's been conditioned that it could actually go wherever it wants, but it's been conditioned. It actually stays within the confines of where it had been set up to, be, to, to stay. Do you know that's how a lot of people, you believe a lie so long, so long. You can get around truth. Watch this. You can get around truth, but you believe the lie so long about yourself. I'm not smart. I can never achieve anything. I can't make it in life. God can never forgive me. Everybody's going to reject me in life. I can never, all these lies. You believe it so long. You can be right around the truth, but still stay bound. Still stay bound. By the way, all of you got uh, uh, some of you maybe that that have worked in a monetary world where you've you, you've you've been schooled and trained to deal with uh, counterfeit money. How, how do you get trained? How do you get skilled to deal with counterfeit money? You don't deal with counterfeit money. You deal with the genuine. And what I've heard is people that have been in our church. They said for hours and hours you deal with real money, and you and you and you and so so that when counterfeit money comes across your deck, desk, you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's counterfeit. That's not true. That's not true. Let me tell you something. Why do I'm always telling you get the word in your heart, read the word, listen to it on your radio, on your way to church, or, or way to work? Why, why, why? Because, because let me tell you, we've got to fill our mind with the real so that when the lie comes, the counterfeit about yourself, about God, you can expose it as what it is. Two things that we get tormented is things that we have done, things that we're doing. Number two, the lies that we believe. I want to talk to you about, in my remainder of my time, two two truths to tell yourself. We've got to preach. Last week, you should have went home and told your friends, Pastor Steve ordained all of us into the ministry. (laughs) We are preachers. Y'all, I had so much fun last week. You need to go online and watch it if you missed it. And, 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 and I taught you, and I'm teaching you, one of the key principles of soul detox is you've got to learn how to preach to your soul. You've got to learn. The Bible says faith comes by what? Say it. Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes in your life. Watch this. Faith rises in your life. Don't miss this. Faith comes. Hope comes. Hope in life and faith in life, it comes when you hear, when you hear God's word. How does doubt come? How does discouragement come? How does fear come? When you hear the voices of the enemy, when you hear cultural commentators that don't have a biblical worldview, when you hear all of your friends that are talking stuff that is not uplifting and encouraging and feel. So, so the reason why you feel doubt and fear in your heart is because what you've been hearing. But if you hear the right stuff, if you hear God's word, if you hear yourself say the word, 
By the way, remember this. Every single one of you have a grid system. Even my message today, you have a grid system. Why does he say that? What is he saying that? Does he know something about my life? Uh, you believe yourself more than you believe me. That's why you've got to hear yourself speak the word and preach to your soul. Everybody say, preach to my soul. You've got to preach to your soul. Two things that we need to preach. Number one, here we go. You need to say this to yourself every day. Stay with me, all right? Every single day, you need to say this to yourself. It's better to confess your sin than to hide your sin. Yeah, that's the truth. Pastor, wow. Really? Yes. Because unconfessed sin is toxic to your soul. Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 28, 13. Now listen to me. I'm going to qualify who to confess to, when to I'm going to qualify. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sin, hides their sins, doesn't prosper. But the one who confesses, everybody say confesses confesses and renounce them, finds mercy. In other words, if you hold it in, it's poison to your soul. It poisons your soul. But if you confess it and you get it out, healing comes to your soul. I don't know if you've ever had food poisoning, but I have. Now, I'm not talking about food poisoning where some of you go, I was poisoned. Uh, you know, I, I had some gumbo, it was kind of bad, and I, I had cramps. And you, excuse me, you, you know, you went to the restroom and it was over, you know. Sorry. If you've ever, has anybody had real food poisoning? I had food poisoning. I mean, I'm talking about massive. I was in China, I got food poisoning. And they told us, we went to China, I've been to China a bunch of times, but I went to China 2010 to get my daughter, my wife and I, and they told us, do not eat vegetables, uncooked vegetables. And do not eat, and they told us, our guide, just do not do that. And so, I mean, I'm like three, you know, two, it's three weeks there, three and a half weeks, but I'm about a week into this thing. I'm like, I'm not eating another noodle. I hate noodles. I don't like noodles. I don't like the word N. I don't even like the letter. I'm not eating. <laughs> so, so, I'm just like, I'm just like, I just, I'm just like noodled out. And so I looked on the menu, I'm like, hamburger, God's will. I'm not even thinking. And, and I eat this hamburger, but guess what it had on it? Lettuce. Lettuce. It had lettuce. So all I know is about, an, about 30 minutes to 45 minutes afterwards, I woke up. And I was, in the, I was in the bathroom of the, the lobby. Now, I'm in the, we weren't in Beijing in the Hilton, all right? We were, we were in a, a province, a decent hotel, but we were in a province. And we were, we were way out, way out by this orphanage. I mean, it was, it was in a very small place, relatively speaking, for China. But it was somewhat rural, in a sense. So all I know is I woke up about an hour later... And my head was just throbbing, and, I, and I'm looking, and I'm, there's a marble floor, and it's the bathroom floor of the lobby. And I, I realized after the fact, and the reason why I woke up is because there was two Americans that were exchange students. They were like in their young 20s. They were there, uh, they were, they were there as exchange students. There's a university, and they're working in the hotel. Mr. Robinson, Mr. Robinson, are you okay? And I look, and I see, the, I see the, the, the marble floor, and my head is just throbbing like this, and I have this big welt when I looked up, and I am violently ill. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a whiner. I honestly, I don't even get sick that much. I really don't. But I mean, I was sick. 
So they bring me upstairs. I'm just, I'm losing all my fluids. I'm just, and my wife's like, my gosh, what's going on with him? And I, I'm just literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's serious. They're concerned I'm going to dehydrate. And so they call, they said, we got to, you know, they're in China, half of it's Chinese and they're concerned about me. And then the Americans are translating that these two, and they, they get, they call the ambulance for me. They're like, they're going to bring me to the hospital. I'm like, my God, I'm going to hospital. I'm throwing up. I'm like, my gosh, I'm going to die here in China. This is terrible. This is horrible. You know, my wife's nervous. My daughter is my new daughter. She's in the other room. She's seven months old. And I'm saying, this is crazy. I'm going to die in China. So they come in, you know, all these people that are, you know, they're scurrying around and they've got a stretcher and the stretcher is a wooden, it's just a wooden, like a plank. It's like you see on CNN or Fox, like when there's a Peruvian mudslide and they're delivering people. I'm serious. It's like they put me on this wooden board and I'm on this wooden board and I'm throwing up all over the place. I'm sorry. I got to tell you how it happened. And so... So I've got a, my cell phone, and I called a pastor friend that's done a lot of work in China, Ronnie Lewis. And I'm like, Ronnie would know what to do. I'm, my, we're freaking out. My wife's freaking out. And so, and so they, put, they put me in the elevator. They can't put me in the elevator. They got me in this elevator. They got to sit. They got to turn me upside down. I'm upside down elevator. I've got everything's going all over the place. I'm thinking, my gosh, this is, this is horrible. And they bring me to this hospital in this, like, 1960s taxi. And I go to this hospital, I'm, I'm, not, I'm losing all, I'm, I'm literally, and I'm not joking, I'm literally starting to lose consciousness. And I go into the place, and I'm in this one room, and it's the emergency room, and there's, it's, there's no curtains, there's no rooms, there's one room. And everybody's in there, and they had a lady, and I say this respectfully, but they have a lady that had tried to commit suicide drinking something, and she, they had a garden hose in her mouth trying to get, and I'm thinking, oh my God. And, and so Ronnie, so I, my phone rings, and it's Pastor Ronnie Lewis, because Steve, what's going on? I got a text from him. He goes, I heard, and somebody called him. He said, I heard, what's going on? He says, whatever you do, and they're, they're starting to put IVs together. He goes, whatever you do, don't go to the hospital and don't get an IV. May God be my witness. I'm like, this is it. This is when it's going to happen. This is, I just. Eighteen hours later, I left there. I literally, I literally thought I was going to die. What had happened is my body was rejecting that poison. It was rejecting. Listen to me closely. Listen to me. I got about 10 minutes. I'm, I'm done. When you're a believer in Jesus, when you start growing closer to God, when sin gets close to you, I'm telling you, it, you're, you're, you're spiritual, you start, you, you'll, you'll start rejecting it. You got to get it out. Everybody say, you got to get it out. Listen to me. I want to say some things. I'm very, I'm very careful what I put in my eyes and my ear gate. Not because I think I'm so holy. It's because I don't want anything around me to contaminate me because my spirit is it's so sensitive to God. It's, I, I, it's sensitive. I'm very careful what gets around me. I'm very careful what gets in my ear. It's better to confess. Who do we confess to? Two, 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 two different ways we confess. Please stay with me. Number one, we confess 
to God for the forgiveness of sin. The first thing I do is I confess to God. First John 1, 9. He, he was, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us, purifies us. We confess to God. God, so I get it out. By the way, you know what spiritual maturity is? It's the distance between when you sin and how quick you confess. Spiritual maturity is the more you grow in Christ, don't miss this, is it should get real close. Because I believe when you're a Christian, I know you still sin. But I don't believe you have to live a slave of, to be a slave of sin. So it's the, the, the quicker, because your conscience and the Holy Spirit's within you, and you, you feel convicted, and you, boom, get it out. Everybody say confess. Cool thing is when you confess it to God, the Bible says he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is to the west. I had a guy one time, my pastor, he's bringing up all of his sins. So time out. Quit bringing up what God forgot. Who are we to bring up the very sins that God has cleansed us from? Number two, the second thing that we confess is we confess to people for the healing of our sin. For, for, for people for healing from sins. Pastor, is that scripture? Yeah, it is. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. I know we don't like to talk about sin in our culture. We call it mistakes. <laughs> I made a mistake. No, missing a U-turn is a mistake. Are you with me? There is a difference between missing a U-turn and sin. Therefore, confess your, unless you're going 200 miles an hour, that's sin. But anyway, so I'm joking. Therefore, if I say confess, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. So I confess to God, I'm getting it out. I'm getting the poison out. I'm confessing it to God. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Bam, God cleanses me of all unrighteousness. But now I'm confessing it to, listen to me closely, to some other people that actually have spiritual power to pray for me to be healed. That's why I love small groups so much. There is a phenomenon in, so, in, the, in the current world that it is somehow cool and in vogue to blast on Facebook. It's like everybody is processing their life on Facebook. What that means is you don't have close friends. I'm serious. I feel sorry for you. It's not cool that he doesn't say get on Facebook and tell everybody in the world about your sin. He says, confess your sins one to another. In other words, are there two or three people in your life that have spiritual power that can actually pray for you to be healed? They're not forgiving you. Listen to me closely. Men cannot forgive men. Women cannot forgive women. What a man can do is remind a person that Christ has forgiven them and then pray for them for them to be emotionally healed. Does that make sense? We can reinforce the healing power of Christ. We can reinforce that. What am I doing? When I confess, I've got people in my life, Pastor Doug Armand, Pastor Randy, I get in the flesh sometimes. I do stupid things. And, I, and the first thing I do, by the way, I want to get it out. I'll go to them and say, man, I, I said this. I shouldn't have said this. And by the way, can I tell you something? Unconfessed sin is the dark room where the enemy develops his negatives. But 50% of the battle is getting it out. Listen to me closely. You are only as sick as your secrets are. And I lived with some secrets. Oh, yeah, I did. But you get it out. Everybody say, get it out. Man, I want to get it out. What am I? I'm trying to help you, man. I'm trying to help you in your soul. I've been there. I know what it's like to be tormented. And I'm very, I'm very keen when the enemy tries to set out to, to ensnare me. 
Number two, Christ has set me free and will set me free. I'm almost finished. Stay with me. Please stay with me. Confession is twofold. Look at this. Christ has set me free and will. He has delivered us. Go to the scripture. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He's delivered us past tense and will deliver us present and future tense. On him, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Listen to me closely. Confession is twofold. I confess my sin. The word confession means homo legeo, the word logos, the Greek word for word. Homo, the same word. What is to confess? When I confess my sin, I'm agreeing with God that that sin is trying to destroy my life. But that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is confession is not just the negative side where I'm agreeing with God about my sin. I'm also agreeing with God about his word, the promise. So when I confess, I can confess my sin, but I also can confess the powerful promises of God of who I am in Christ. Do you understand the difference? And you need them both. You need them both. So you can, everybody say, preach to your soul. You preach to your soul. You confess who you are in Christ, who you are in Christ. Who, who I am in God. I am a new man in God. I'm not going back to my old life anymore. Not going back there anymore. I'm a new man in Christ. Redeemed by the blood of Christ. Set free by the power of Christ. I have been delivered. I will be delivered. And I'm being, uh, listen, you've got to confess who you are in Christ. You confess with God. You agree with God against that thing. And, 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 and you also confess who you are in Christ. And by the way, listen to me closely. There is no temptation that God can't deliver you from. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, no temptation is overtaking you such as common to man. We've all been faced with temptation. But God is, everybody say faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, make the way of escape. The question is, I know somebody said, well, pastor, you know what happened to me? Please don't miss this. You know what happened to me, pastor? I just, I, I just got in the situation and I just, now let me tell you, you know what God was doing? He was holding up red signs. Exit, 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 exit. He was trying to help you. Listen to me closely. Pastor, what do we need to be concerned about? People, places, and things. Is people in your life, are they adding and multiplying or are they pulling you down? Places, are the places that you go reminding you of your past and are they drawing you into a snare? I'm gonna say this, I'll say this respectfully. The French Quarter. I spent a lot of time in the French Quarter as a teenager doing a lot of dark things. Listen to me very closely, listen. I personally couldn't go to the French Quarter for years. People come in and say, I wanna to go to the French Quarter. I ain't going to the French Quarter. I'm not going there. I ain't doing that. Cause, not because of the smells, although it smells a little bit like hell. And so, <laughs> listen to me closely. Because I wasn't strong enough to go there. Because it reminded me of my past. Some of you are gonna to have to start avoiding some things. Avoidance, everybody say places. Things. Some of you are going to have to put some things on your computer because that stuff keeps popping up. You're like, man, it keeps popping up. I remember I was a kid. We had, we, we had to go try to pursue pornography. Let me tell you what pornography does now. It pursues you. Are you with me? <laughs> some of you just got to put some stuff on. I'm trying to help you, man. I'm trying to help your soul today. So it's people. I say people are the people you with pushing you to Jesus. 
Are they pushing you to fulfill your potential? Are they pushing you to become the man or woman God created you to be? Places. Are the places that you go, do they bring that eerie feeling inside of you that pulls you into that dark place? I know that dark place. I don't want to go there. That's a place of hopelessness and despondency and torment. How about the things? Are the things you're doing, are the things, are there things that you have that, that are pulling you into that place? Get, get rid of them. Get rid, do whatever you've got to do. No temptation has overtaken that God has not made a way of escape. Where are you in God? Some of you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice. Do you want to live tormented or do you want to live free? Do you want to live in the wisdom of God, confessing when things, or do you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to hide it or do you want to get it out to people that you trust that have power to pray for you? What do you want to do? Let's pray.